only leaves for me to officially announce that the winner of the 1994 GPA Dublin International Piano Competition, a prize of £10,000 presented by GPA, a Kauai Grand Piano presented by Kauai Pianos, and the Europa Medal presented by the European Commission Office for the Best Performance by a Member of the European Union, goes to Davide Franceschetti of Italy. Italian pianist Davide Franceschetti won the GPA Dublin International Piano Competition. This year's competition, now sponsored by Guardian, is in full swing at the moment. Over a week ago, 54 competitors arrived from all over the world, ready to play in four gruelling rounds in front of a 14-member jury. Now only six remain in the competition, and they'll each play a concerto with the NSOI over the next two evenings. But behind the scenes, there are many more people involved in all sorts of capacities as volunteers. I asked Myra Foley, who's in charge of volunteer services, where she gets them. Friends, word of mouth. Um, the competition, the first competition was in 88, and there was a bit of publicity about helpers then, so we got a lot of offers of help. Uh, the core of my helpers have been with me now since, since 88. I have about 30. And uh, some drop out for various reasons, and others come in. So it's basically word of mouth. And do they enjoy doing it? Do they like the buzz? Yes. Yeah, they absolutely. Uh, I rang one whom I hadn't got a reply from this year. And she said, oh, she said, I didn't get your letter. And I said, well, it went out. Oh, she said, I was so disappointed. I thought you didn't want me this year. So they, they really do. Some of them give enormously of their time. Um, some of them are doing 10 sessions. Each session is three hours. They're on the go, morning, noon, and night. They're an absolute wonderful bunch of people. Really great. I'm Ida Delamere, and I, I'm involved in hosting the competitors. And this time round, we have about 60 competitors to host. And in finding the hosts for the competitors, it's done in various ways, through friends and through uh, acquaintances and people who are interested in music and whose children are interested in music. But we have one rule in the competition that uh, a competitor cannot stay with an official practice piano and that makes it even a little bit more difficult because most of the hosts who uh, people who would like to host are involved in having their pianos used for practice in which we have to have 65 practice pianos all through the first uh, session of the competition until the second round where it's down to 24 competitors and um, the hosts in uh, hospitality in Dublin is unbelievable is all I can say the competitor usually makes great friends with the family of the hosts and this friendship has continued on, and uh, their family, the host's family, uh, visit the competitor's family, and vice versa, and it sets up a chain of reaction. And we always, I've always uh, 
thought that we are an island out near the Atlantic and we have to attract people to come here and this has been enormously successful. Also too it has brought a lot of music to people who otherwise perhaps might not have been musically involved and all I can say is that the competitors, each and every one of them are, are wonderful. I mean, really they are, they behave so nicely, so courteous. I've never had complaints from those families about their behavior in any way, and they never um, misuse the telephone, or, and they are courteous and nice. Um, well, there is indeed a social side to it as well, and I think that's very important, especially in a, in a situation where everybody is very, very nervous. And um, first of all, the, the family that I'm staying with are very, very nice people, and um, there's a husband and a wife, and they're three kids, and they all, uh, they've all been very nice to me, and I have had the experience to sort of discover a little bit about Irish life while I'm here. And uh, to some degree with the other competitors as well, when occasionally there are some sometimes when we have the opportunity to just sit around and chat, and that's very nice, especially to meet other competitors from all over the world who have maybe a very different uh, experience, certainly of life, and also of music, I think, of musical education, and um, just of, of being from a different part of the world. It's interesting to, to get to know all these people. So you're through to the second round? Yeah, yeah, I've just finished playing as we speak, so, <laughs> so uh, I'm, I've more or less finished relaxing. I have to get ready for the next two rounds if I'm lucky enough to be in them. Max Levinson is one of the competitors. He's clearly very pleased with the hospitality here. Now, a lady who's been involved from the word go as a host is Mafra O'Reilly. Her house guests get to feel very much at home. They don't drink when they're in competition or anything like that, but give them plenty of coke and all the rest of them and let them discuss things because it's the same with university life and things like that. A great part of the education is discussing with people um, their experiences and things like that. And a lot of them had participated in the same competitions, say in Germany or in Italy or whatever, and they had reacted very badly and they, they, they couldn't understand why they'd gone to pieces during them. And they discussed their similar experiences and they were put up in schools during school holidays and things like that, in dormitories and things like that. There wasn't much human contact. And here there was the human contact. And, I mean, that's what the hosting here sort of means to them. So I said to them, bring whoever you like. So they all got themselves bicycles. And I remember coming home at 2 o'clock one morning, nearly breaking my neck over the bicycles at the bottom of the steps there. And when I came in, there was a beautiful blonde Italian pianist. And she had a lot of cushions under her head, and she was lying in the middle of the floor. And they were all paying court to her.
And then the next competition, I had a Chinese who was absolutely marvelous. And he took me shopping in the Chinese emporiums in Dublin. And he said, I cook Chinese food for you. And he did. He cooked wonderful meals. And he showed me this wonderful tuxedo, as he called it, that he had bought to wear in the finals. And he wanted to know the name of Dublin's best restaurant because I was going to be taken to dinner there. But it never happened. And he was, I had him with an American um, um, who actually, Frank Karpoff, who actually made the semi-finals. And he'd been recently married and he was madly in love with his wife and things like that. A fine player, um, a good result, I think, um, the semi-finals. And the last time I had, um, I had a Chinese called Ting who told me that um, he had a friend in Dublin called Ting who plays with our national orchestra. And um, he said, you must contact him. And I said, well, we can find out the number. And he said, no, give me the telephone directory, which I did. They don't call it a directory in the States. God knows what it is. But um, he found them straight away. And thing came up to the house. And I had quite a dilemma then. So I said, um, now I said, my house gets thing will be thing number one because he is honorary house guest and you are thing number two because you're honorary house guest, honorable guest. So when thing number one left, he was studying in the Juilliard School in New York, um, thing number two appeared before me and he said to me, and now he said, I am thing number one. And I said, of course you are. But Oleg was here at that time. Thing number one was eliminated in the first round and he came to me and he said, and he said, now he said, we must work for Oleg which I thought was wonderful spirit. So they um, they got on extremely well together, and um, Oleg got into the semi-finals, and he's a very fine player. And when I heard that he was coming back this year, that he'd been accepted as a competitor in the competition, I dropped him a line, and I had a phone call from him. He's studying in Cologne, and um, he asked for the dogs, and he asked for the friends, and he asked for everybody, and he said he would be delighted to come back. And Alexander, who's with me now, I've just met him tonight. And um, Oleg knows him sort of very superficially. He's met him at competitions and things like that. So I'm sure we're going to have a very happy time. And we've met um, some of their friends, not Ukrainians. I mean, they're Russians. Do the Ukrainians talk to the Russians? They do. Well, the Russians have to talk to the Ukrainians because it's the breadbasket of Russia, of the USSR that was. So um, I suggested to them that they start a little club as we had um, and that they could all come and sort of gather here and make as much noise as they like because um, they weren't going to disturb me and the dogs like company. So um, we'll see what happens from here on in. 20p each, so that's 380. Okay, I'll give me your bag. Put them all in. And um, actually, give me three more then. Uh, three, more, yes. three more of the pens. That's 480. All right. Okay, I'll give you a bigger bag. Well, the shop we decided to set up, and of course, it's backed by Guardian Insurance, which is marvellous, and they gave us a lot of free logo stuff, and then a few more firms gave us free goods as well. Um, we decided to just have some homemade cakes and serve them with the coffee free, which has been very successful. Um, the people, we have some hats for sale, and Bernadette Madden was marvellous. She gave us batiks to hang on the wall and beautiful scarves and her cards and postcards, which have sold very well indeed. 
Um, and there's a general sort of, there's peace here for a moment, and then when the last pianist finishes and there's a session break, they all swoop in, and it's quite frantic. <laughs> but the main comment sees that they, they love the fresh coffee and the tea, and the eats, and then they go off again and come back at the next break. Um, one of the comments that I heard, a couple of comments from people, were how friendly everybody was. And it wasn't as wonderful there were so many volunteers in Ireland that they hadn't come across this in other countries. The people sort of were paid and did it, but that here there seemed to be volunteer women all over the place doing various things like, you know, drivers and everything else. What's the most popular souvenir? The most popular, we've, in the beginning, obviously the pencils and pens from the Guardian Insurance were marvellous because their logos and their funny twisty things and, you know, people are fascinated. Um... But in actual fact, the sweaters moved, the tapes, the most popular thing, and of course, Murphy's Law, we only had six of them, were the black shoulder bags that you could put sheet music in and carry over their shoulders. Now, we only had six, and we couldn't order any more. They were made abroad. We couldn't get them in in time. They were mo- we could have sold hundreds. We really could have. <laughs> so you'll know next time. We will know next time, yes. But you learn, you know, every time you run this, you learn a little more. Mary Paula McGilligan at the shop in the RDS last week where the first two rounds of the competition were held. Now, if you had to find 60 grand pianos, where would you start? Well, I'd talk to Annette Andrews first. Well, um, I've been doing this. This is the first competition, so we've built up a little sort of um, store, as it were, of pianos. The pianos are all over the city, uh, in people's houses mainly, but also in places like, you know, uh, piano shops and warehouses, people like Pianos Plus, Andy Tyne and that sort of person, uh, and at school. Um, and some, so there are some uh, business houses even where they have a piano, like uh, or places like the ESB or the Bank of Ireland, um, you know, but uh, mainly it's people's homes. And uh, people are very good because uh, for maybe five or six days in a row, they have somebody arriving at 10 o'clock in the morning and they have to give them a bit of lunch. And they, they're very good to them. They, uh, you know, they take them over. They, you know, and then, then they'll come to their recital and they take an interest in them. But it's a big job, actually. Uh, you know, we have fifty-five contestants and the logistics of uh, deciding, looking at where they're staying and trying to get them to a piano that's not too far away. We have volunteer drivers, and there's always the nightmares that I have, which I've done, uh, assigned to candidates at the same piano or the candidate arrives at the home and the lady has sort of forgotten and gone out, and there they are. Uh, one driver uh, brought a Swedish girl who hadn't a word of English to a piano which was in Terenur, and the driver dropped her off and said, cheerio, and she went and knocked at the door, and there was no reply. And uh, she <laughs> we got a phone call about half an hour later from a pub in Terenur. Uh, we have this one here, and, uh, you know, she... She doesn't. We think she might have something to do with pianos, and uh, they've been very good to her. They've given her a cup of coffee, and we sent out the cavalry to rescue her and get another piano. But in the main, it works terribly well, and it relies, of course, totally on the goodwill of all these people with pianos. You know, are they all grand pianos? Yes, they are all grand pianos. We have found, although there are people who have very good uprights and to have offered them but we do find that the competitors always want the grand piano it is a sort of different physical feeling you know the upright uh, is just up in front of your nose as it were when you've been used to a grand piano um, but sometimes when they really need to practice for memory work and that in the evenings and pre-competition they're very glad to get any piano but in the main we try we have fairly good quality grand pianos to offer them 
Now, do you bring them to different pianos every day? Yes, this has been, we've been always very concerned from the beginning. Uh, John O'Connor and Anne Fuller, who organised the whole thing, had been through a few competitions and they had heard in other competitions, you know, complaints about unfairness and somebody being assigned to a very good Steinway and somebody else being assigned, assigned to a rather old Bechstein. So in, uh, we really wanted to be fair. Uh, so what we do is they rotate around from one piano to the other. Somebody who's performing the next day will have the very best piano. And so it goes. But um, mind you, all the pianos are of a standard. But obviously there's a great difference between a brand new Steinway and a uh, slightly older something else, you know. But they do, um, the day before, in fact the two days before they perform, they will get very good pianos. And on the other days they have a good, very acceptable level of pianos. But that's why they rotate, just to be totally fair so that one person doesn't get the best piano all the time. Each competitor has to be collected, brought to his house of practice and collected then in the evening. And what we do is try to coordinate the drivers that they, they live very near to where the host house is. We get them to collect them on their way into town and then perhaps bring them to us here in the RDS and then we transport them out to where the, where the practice house is and we try to make life simple for ourselves and avoid as much traffic as we possibly can by getting, uh, you know, logistically keeping them near to where, to where they're practicing, uh, where they're living and, and that, but it doesn't always work out that way because of pianos and very good pianos and everything else and each competitor likes to get a, he has to get a chance on particularly good pianos that there are and people are very kind giving their pianos and their houses and the drivers whom I'm responsible for are absolutely fantastic because they've had to coordinate and get through traffic particularly this morning in Dublin was just horrendous and they're so kind and so good about coming in and they no sooner get here and you have to send them off somewhere else and that and we've got quite a lot of people who are retired and they're terrific because they don't have any family commitments and everything else. So, how many drivers would be on the list? We would. Ha I would have a pool of about twenty altogether that you can call on. In and some that are emergency drivers say that oh you live near there would you ever pick someone up? Others that will come in and are nearly full time basis. And um, we try to be as accommodating as we possibly can to them all, but sometimes it isn't possible that we have emergencies, that the competitor doesn't want to get up so early in the morning and you have to get someone else to go back for them and things like that, you know. What about petrol? Do drivers pay for their own? No, everything's voluntary. They're, people are incredible. They, they have, you know, it's an amazing uh, setup here. I'm just fascinated by it because everything is voluntary the houses the 
the people lend their pianos, the drivers, then there are ladies upstairs serving teas, there are people escort, escorting the candidates to and from the piano and making sure that they're not disturbed, that every little need is catered for just before they play because that's a particularly tense time for them all. And it's just all the organisation that goes into it is just absolutely mind-boggling, particularly since it's all voluntary. Do you get to hear any of it? I have heard no one yet, and it's dreadful because we've got to know the pianists very, very well and they've become friends of theirs and we're sort of mothering them and everything else, and it's dreadful you can't... We don't get time to hear anything. We're in here, Adrienne and myself are here from before 8 o'clock in the morning and we don't get out till after half past 10. But it's, you know, it's, it's been, we've had good fun and it's lovely to, to meet all these people and everything else. Pat O'Malley there, the transport coordinator. One of the unique aspects of the Dublin competition is that the competitors can choose their own programmes. So an immense amount of different music is played during the four rounds. Well, I don't envy the job of the librarian, Pauline Macaulay. Uh, my main function as music librarian is to see that all 13 adjudicators have a copy of the music. Six um, copies go out at each stage before each competitor um, so that each of them can see it. Generally, we'd work it in three groups, that if there's three competitors, the music would be out beforehand. My function is to make sure that there's enough copies and that they're there on time, collected afterwards. And the music collection is absolutely wonderful. There's been a great support from the Academy Library and from various teachers around, not just in the Academy, but um, teachers, friends of John O'Connor, have been very good, all donating their music. And it's nice to see some of the most original scores with names and dates and places on them. Amongst other things, I suppose, I, I handle the public relations and the promotions of the event. Um, the promotions, pretty obvious, I suppose, uh, informing the press and the public through the press, uh, through radio and television about the competition and about the various events, and trying to put across as hard as possible and as strongly as possible the fact that if you're not there from the beginning, you really don't know why people win. And people are beginning to learn a bit more that if they go from the beginning, you know, they can watch their own and make their own choice. And then the public relations, well, that involves um, securing other sponsorships. I won't say smaller because it, it's, it's a fact that without the extra sponsorship from a number of other organisations and people, we just couldn't continue to do the job that uh, we do. 
What kind of sponsorship, apart from the major sponsor, which is Guardian? Well, we have our telephones are sponsored by, by Telecom. Tipperary Water have been there from the very beginning, supplying gallons of it. Um, we have Waterford Crystal, who very generously give us um, beautiful trophies for the semi-finals and the finals, and of course the wonderful trophy for the winner, and they give us really nice gifts for the, the jury themselves. Laurie Carr, who deals with the public relations aspect, outlining some of the sponsors involved. Clearly all the needs of the competitors and jury are met, including some odd ones. We had a demand, I think was it in the last competition, somebody wanted to practice, they felt they could only practice in the middle of the night. Um, after 12, midnight and before 6am. I think we did find somewhere for them to practice. I can't remember where it was. How did they do that particular competition? They did actually quite well. Yeah, they went on. I think they got into the semi-finals. Katya Skanavi is another competitor this year. When I spoke to her just after she played her second round programme, she was in good form. Uh, for the moment, I'm very happy about about the especially about the people, they're very nice. Everyone who's working for the competition are very nice. My host family is it's just really, really very, very nice. And yeah. um, I'm enjoying staying here and uh, hopefully I'll go on. Have you met most of the other competitors or just a few? Yeah, some of them I knew from before, some Russians I knew from Moscow and... Uh, some other from some other competitions which we made together yeah so is the atmosphere here different to other competitions uh, yeah maybe it is different in a nice way yeah yeah i feel good I finally caught up with one of the full-time administrators of the competition, Roisin Grimley, and asked her how things were this year. Going very well, very high standard, and they seem to be a wonderful bunch of competitors. They're great fun and they're very serious, but very encouraging of one another. It's been very enjoyable. Have you been involved in all the competitions? Yes, from the very beginning. I came in as a volunteer for John's 40th in 1987. And then as a result of it, of course, my life changed because I did the Diploma in Arts Administration. So hence my job here. So it changed my life. Do you notice changes from one competition to the next? Well, we hope it becomes more organised. <laughs> but there are always the impromptu things. This morning it was the rugs for the jury because they were frozen. The weather at this time has caused us problems. Um, but I think it gets naturally we learn as we go along. We try to make it a, a very good each time. Everyone has commented on the, the amount of voluntary help that this competition involves. Is this unique to Dublin? It seems to be. The competitors are most impressed by, our, by what goes on and what they're offered. We even heard a story yesterday about where they had to play, pay for pianos and pay for accommodation. Whereas here you have our drivers who look after them, go look after them, take them to their own houses to give them meals if they think they're hungry. Of course, the volunteers just make this competition. Without it, couldn't work.
I speak French as well as English and that's about it sort of style. Um, but you can always communicate with them in one way or another. And I must say after the first competition, when the house was full of young people for the duration of the competition, I missed it terribly when they went. So the place was empty. It, it was great to have this um, sort of wonderful buzz and this laughter and everything else. And they all help each other along. And the fact that they can discuss uh, what goes on and things like that and what has happened to them in other competitions when they've imagined that they were the only ones to freak out and they discovered that the others had done it because the atmosphere was wrong for them. So the main thing, I think, is you create as um, a stress-free an atmosphere as possible for them and just find out what they want to do or what they don't want to do and don't tie them to rigid laws of anything else. I mean, they close the door, the door's locked when their friends go out and things like that, and that's that.